Hello, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. And I'm JR. I'm Matt. And I'm Simon. So welcome to this special bonus episode of 15-Minute Film Fanatics. We are thrilled, thrilled to have the three voices of Strangers in Space, another great podcast, on with us today as special guests. And we're even more excited in this bonus episode because it's not technically a film fanatic episode. It's about something else people get fanatical about, which is the series Doctor Who. So we thought it would be a lot of fun to have a primer, an introduction for us Americans who are not as familiar as, with Doctor Who. Let's get it from the three experts. We're gonna ask them each a question. They're each gonna get one minute to respond. And then the other two guys will get maybe 30 seconds or a minute to, to elaborate in case one of their co-hosts uh, did not say something they wish was said. So Mike's gonna ask the first question to JR. Mike, you ready? Ready. JR, you just you ready? called me an expert, by the way. Now I am absolutely terrified of what's no coming next. They, and, and, and full disclosure, they do not know what these questions are. So here we go, Mike. JR, after decades of the show being on the air, can you describe the premise in one minute? What is the premise of Doctor Who? The premise of Doctor Who in one minute. Okay, the premise of Doctor Who is there's an alien who can live forever who changes his or her entire body once every three or four years when the actor chooses to move on and they need to get a new actor in who can go anywhere in time and space, but generally comes back to England in the year of the program's consent, in the year the program's being made about once every three weeks, who can go anywhere in time and space and do anything in time and space, but generally finds aliens doing bad things and so ends up fighting the aliens, usually by accident, and who has a human traveling companion, if not two human traveling companions, who travel around in this time and spaceship with this person, which is bigger on the inside and on the outside looks like a blue police box which can go anywhere in time and space, but always comes back to London in the end. All right. It's, it's great watching JR get tortured like that. <laughs> Almost having a heart attack. We so rarely get that on the podcast. Great. All right. So this next question, actually, I don't think we need to elaborate that because JR, you did that beautifully. Here's my next question for Matt. Okay. JR mentioned fighting the aliens. This morning to prepare for our show, I went on the BBC website and I was overwhelmed with the amount of friends and enemies and where you dive into the show. So Matt, you can take this question wherever you want. Who are the Daleks, if I'm saying that correctly, and who are Doctor Who's enemies? Okay, so the Daleks are famously created in the 1960s um, and they were based kind of on the Nazis. So they were written by the generation that, that kind of fought in the Second World War. Um, and they're kind of a mobile signifier so, signifier. so they've come to represent all sorts of sort of oppression and fascism and, and what have you. Uh, they're an iconic design in, in uh, England. So with the Daleks, the Daleks has, have been in the past more famous than Doctor Who the series has been. So they've become this kind of cultural artifact more so than any other monster in Doctor Who. Um, but there are other monsters in Doctor Who. There are uh, Cybermen, which are kind of Star Trek Borg, uh, but but the originals. Um, and there are the sort of green aliens. So, so there's a whole range of them. But I would say Daleks and Cybermen are the first place to start. If okay, you're, Simon if or you're JR, did he cover all the, all the enemies well enough? Anything you want to add? I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, they're the two centrals, aren't they? Daleks yeah. and Cybermen, yeah. All right, great. Mike, you're up. Simon. Simon. Mm. Good luck, Simon. What is a TARDIS? Say that again. What is a TARDIS? 
Uh, this well, it's um, those letters star Stanford time and relative dimension in space, which probably doesn't a bit like uh, kind of Star Trek gobbledygook. Probably doesn't mean anything, but it sounds clever. Um, but essentially, it is the ship that the Doctor flies around in. As uh, JR said, it's bigger on the inside than the outside. It can go anywhere. It dematerializes as opposed to fly places, but you see it fly sometimes. Um, it has a faulty chameleon circuit, so TARDISes should appear like they fit into a room. If you land, say, in a museum, it will look like an, you know, an artifact or something like that. But this one's broken, so it's been stuck as a police box since 1963, which is, you know, adds to the kind of quirkiness of the show. Um, it is, in theory, limitless inside, so it's got God knows how many rooms. You've got a main console room, which is what you see most of the time, this kind of hexagonal-shaped control panel. But there are God knows how many other rooms in the ship as well. Great. Well done. Well done. Okay, I'm back to JR. JR, I'm throwing this one out there. This is going to get you... I, I guarantee Matt and Simon might want to join in on this one after you answer, but I don't know. All I, I don't know much about Doctor Who, but I know this is a controversial question, JR. Are you ready? Go on. Who has been the best Doctor so far? Mm. All of them. Every single actor who's played the Doctor has been the best Doctor, apart from maybe Colin Baker. Um, <laughs> for my money, I think Peter Capaldi, for me, has perhaps been the best. Tom Baker and David Tennant were the two most famous, uh, most iconic of the Doctors. But it's the kind of part where an actor comes in and is given free reign to basically either be themselves, which several of them have been, or bring what they want to the role. So the idea of the Doctor is it's a character that is developed by the actor rather than on the page. So it's an alien and the actor comes in and as long as they do the slightly eccentric fighting, you know, bad people across time and space thing, they can give it whatever personality they like. And so you can't really get the doctor wrong. Okay. Simon or Matt, want to add anything? I think I'd, I'd agree that it's, it's essentially actor proof because the appeal is the character rather than the performances. So describing the best is tricky. Describing the most iconic is very easy. It is Tom Baker. Okay. Yeah, so you're more likely to hear someone, their favourite doctor, as, as, as opposed to who's the best. You might also hear where people say they have their doctor. You know, my doctor was Tom Baker, Peter Davison, <laughs> because that's when I got into it. That when I was growing up. Um, but my favourite doctor is probably Matt Smith, because he just, he shines on screen. And, and that's what appeals to me. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's something for everyone. There really is. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it reminded me of the debate when people say, who's the best James Bond? It was, mm. and, you know, that, that's, a great, that's a great barroom conversation about what's, what's my James Bond versus the best James Bond, etc. Daniel Craig. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what Mike said in a past episode. Okay, Mike, yeah, yeah. Well done, Mike is ready. Mike's ready with the question for Matt. Okay. Matt, what is the best season or, star, or story arc in the history of Doctor Who? Okay, so 60 years of Doctor Who. Uh, there's a number of sort of there's a number of quality seasons and a number of eras, fewer story arcs, because obviously for, for the 25, 30 years, the, the Doctor Who didn't really do story arcs. This was pre-Buffy. I would say um, season numbers. I'm going to throw out season numbers. Uh, season seven is really good. Uh, seasons 11 to 14 are really good. 
Uh, I really like seasons 25 and 26. Um, but in the new series, there are plenty of story arcs that are appealing. Um, so uh, the time war, there's a, there's a time war that happens right at the beginning of the, the series coming back. And that really kind of informs the entire series for five or six years, I would say. Um, so, so yeah, it, it depends where, where you want to start, but you, you watch it for the individual stories, I would suggest. Anything Simon or JR you want to add? I'd add that Doctor Who ran for 26 years in the 20th century and then disappeared for 15 years and came back. So although the two versions of the series essentially have the same backbone, they both have different emphases. So in the original version of the series, it was a bit like an anthology where every story would essentially start from scratch, albeit with the same central characters. Whereas in the modern era, because as Matt said, it's post-Buffy, as well as the individual stories, there have been story threads running through which add up to bigger stories, which you'll be familiar with from modern telly. So there are two entirely different approaches with the two sort of different versions of the series. Good. Great. Okay, I'm ready now for Simon. Mm -hmm. Simon, you ready? Yep. What big ideas or issues has Doctor Who tackled the show? It. Okay, the first one that springs to mind is in the early 70s when you had a very big environmental issue coming through in a lot of the writing. And you can actually pin it down with certain writers, writers like Malcolm Hulk, people like that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Certainly there's a certain amount of politics comes in. Some might argue there's a lot of left, left-wing politics creeping in. I mean, we are talking the BBC and writers here. Um, but, but there are represent, and I think it, 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 it kind of steers kind of down the middle of the road a lot of the time. It doesn't really pin its colours to the wall like that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. It, it, yeah, it does. Well, I'm going to open this up to the other guys because I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Come on, Joe. I mean, it was, I mean in the 1960s, there's a, there's a number of stories about the dangers of pacifism and the benefits of going to war, which is, which is really good. Important messages that we've all, we've all grown up with. Um, JR? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I think like a lot of sci-fi, what Doctor Who does is it takes whatever's going on in the world around it and reflects that back. So sometimes that's politics. Sometimes, like Simon says, that's the environmental movement that was coming through. In the 1970s, they spoke a lot about women's lib because, <laughs> because the gender thing was a big issue in the 60s and 70s. So that became part of what Doctor Who was doing. But by and large, it's been the case that the series reflects what's going on in the world around it. So at the moment, you've got a lot of stuff that people point at and say woke or PC or whatever, because you've got things like Trump and Brexit and, you know, Boris Johnson happening, that the programme is reflecting that world back at itself. Good. Yeah. Well said. They, well said. They talk a lot about women's lib in the 1970s, but it took them another 40 or 50 years to actually do anything about it. In Doctor <laughs> That's very true. That was when David Tennant was the doctor, right? And he had a <laughs> male traveling companion? Yeah. <laughs> there we go. That's my one fact. All right, Mike, you're up. Okay. So JR, if I were an interested Yankee, which I am, where should I start with the series? And, you know, we'll open that up to, to our listeners to some general advice. Where should they start with the series if they don't know anything about it or didn't grow up with it? 
Right, okay, I'm assuming that you are more au fait with modern telly than with old telly. I am because, a Buffy eight, yes. Hmm, anything post sort of 1990, you're talking sort of Buffy and stuff like that. So you probably want to start with the modern series and dip your toes in that before you go back. So there are two really good jumping on points. The first is the episode with which the series came back, which is called Rose. That's when Russell T. Davis was the guy who was running Doctor Who. If you like Rose, which is fresh and fun and slightly caricatured and cartoony, Doctor Who carries on like that for about five years, kind of gets a bit more subtle. It doesn't stay quite as cartoony as that. If you'd like something a bit more involved, so something a bit more like Back to the Future rather than Independence Day, you could start when Stephen Moffat took over as the Doctor Who showrunner and he kind of refreshed it and went back basically to square one with an episode called The Eleventh Hour. So if you like your sort of sci-fi, which is slightly more concept-driven, start with The Eleventh Hour instead and work forwards from there. Matter Simon, any follow-up to that? Um, that sounds I'd, like a plan to me. I'd agree with starting with the new series, but I would say that the new series makes the eccentricity and the peculiarities of the old series palatable. So if you do like the new series, then it gives you a kind of a primer, as you say, to mm. then potentially going back to the 1970s when it was at its most kind of accessible and eccentric and, and maybe looking at uh, Tom Baker again. Mm. All right, great. And our last question here, we'll start this off with Simon, but then Matt and JR can join in for our last one here. What do you talk about on Strangers in Space and how can our listeners find it? We talk about, the thing is, I, th I think we start, we use Doctor Who as a leaping, leaping off point. I mean, obviously we talk about these stories, but we tend to attack it a slightly more, um, what's the word, JR? Uh, Contextual, I would say. Yes, I would say so. So we will look at the writing, we will look at what's been going on in the background, what's going on in the world at the time the thing was written. Um, and also the viewpoint, you know, obviously there are opinions of which are good and bad stories. And, and I don't think our program is about saying what's good and what's bad. It's about saying what was the writer trying to achieve, what were the program makers trying to achieve. And also this viewpoint that nobody ever tries nobody starts off trying to make a bad story mm. or a bad program um but equally the same, the same good everyone's just trying to make the best thing they can and i think that is probably at the heart of our ethos really with how we talk about the show but also we talk about subjects that like umbrella subjects that might encompass a number of different stories and episodes so we're always looking at trying to find new ways of looking at it i mean there's so much to look at that there are a lot of sh uh, podcasts that just go episode by episode. We don't necessarily do that. Great. Yeah, we leap around a bit. And also on our feed, oh, Matt, you can talk about what else is on our feed because Doctor Who so, is far from the only thing on our feed. So we kind of do Doctor Who adjacent subjects um, because um, most of us are film fans as well and have a certain amount of knowledge about films. So we look at genre films as well or just simply films that some films that we're interested in that we think other people would be also television series um i did an international film strand for a while before lockdown made that impossible uh so we've got some really fascinating episodes about about 1960s <laughs> italian films um but yeah we're more more analysis than criticism oh, and so, also yeah. one thing 
that we haven't done for a while again since lockdown but that was more to do with the psychology of lockdown and just how busy I've been at work but another thing that we do do on our strand is we do interviews with people often people who work in television or adjacent to television authors and stuff like that and largely in a thing called desert planet picks which is a bit like desert island discs but slightly more expansive but we just like to have people on talking about the things they like so rather than necessarily talking about the things they do we have people on to talk about the things they like because talking about things they do is what these people get to do all the time so we like to give them a platform just to have a little bit more fun than they normally would in an interview situation that's great. That's great. And remember, listeners, you can listen to Strangers in Space wherever you get podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are sold. We want to thank JR and Matt and Simon for coming on this morning. We had a great time. We hope all our listeners will now go to the BBC website, get some more information, and then start streaming Doctor Who. Thank you very much for having us. It's been great. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.